today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Lots to talk about. Let's bring in Alyssa Freeman, public relations consultant and principal at Alyssa Freeman PR. She is with us now. Alyssa, thanks so much for the time as always. Much appreciated. Oh, you're a voice of sunshine and an otherwise gray day, Scott. Oh, isn't that nice for you to say, Alyssa? Thank you so much. You know, we were just talking to uh, Dr. Nadia Alam, president of the Ontario Medical Association. We're talking about the whole issue in and around measles and vaccinations, and it's got to the point where... Uh, uh, the mayor of New York has said, "All right, we got to clamp down on this. We got boroughs, we got you know pockets of the of the city here that are that are reporting a lot of cases of uh, of measles and such. We have to make sure that uh, vaccinations are are, are uh, uh, complete and and up to date and such." Um, and then we were talking about measles parties, which are apparently like the old school parties that your grandparents or parents may, maybe used to have in the old days with chicken pox where, hey, my kids got it. So you bring yours over, they'll get it. And then that's how they'll build up their natural, immune, uh, natural immunity. Uh, they'd rather do it that way than actually getting uh, a vaccination. And I guess my question to you is we certainly know. You know, where this started way back when with the Jenny McCarthy thing and and her going on about vaccinations causing autism and such and quoted an article uh, which has since been debunked and then retracted. And many articles since then uh, supporting vaccination. How has this message run such a so amok? How has this got this message got so clouded? You know what? That is a great question, Scott. And it is absolutely mind boggling. On one hand, you think. How can people be so ridiculous about the, uh, something that is so important and where the information is readily available? And this really speaks to how fast information, once it gets out there, it's twice as hard to debunk what has already been uh, planted in somebody's brain. So, you know, it's like almost like a retraction in a newspaper, right? You can, the newspaper will say what it said, oh, but there was a, a mistake. So you need to retract it. How many people actually read retractions? So when it comes to something like measles, and this drives me crazy, and I always say consider the source. We say that a lot when we're looking at web articles, especially with this one study. The doctor has been, is no longer a doctor. Uh, As you say, the study was absolutely debunked. Yet you have some celebrity who has no scientific background and has since had to walk back those earlier claims about why her son was autistic and that had nothing to do with getting a vaccination, that that has absolutely infiltrated the subconsciousness of many people who are either anti-Big Pharma or anti-prevention, and it has never, ever gone away. And it seems that even though we have our doctors, you know, saying to us that we need to have um, our vaccinations, unless you bring in hardline measures, such as the ones that um, Mayor de Blasio in New York is bringing in, people are not going to get their kids vaccinated as they used to. And it absolutely blows my mind. Uh, is you talked about anti-pharma? Is there uh, is this a growing sense of anti-establishment? Uh, don't believe in institutions. Don't believe in institutionalized medicine. Is it that movement? And this is just another angle to it. Yes, I, I, I absolutely firmly believe that. If you go in and you read, let's say, um, a newspaper item today about the anti-vax movement, and then you go into the 
into the into the comments. This is what you'll see. You'll see all these people saying this is ridiculous. Of course, we need our our kids vaccine uh, vaccinated, um, herd immunity, and everything else. But then, but then you get one or two people going, well, you know what? Just because big pharma says so, does that mean that we need to do it? And you start to get in, well, I didn't, I haven't gotten my kids vaccinated and it doesn't seem to be any problems. I mean, people look at things in the here and now. What they don't look at is that the long-term ramifications of not getting your kids vaccinated and what it means to have a low immune system growing as an adult. It just seems odd that that one bad message, that one debunked article led to all of this. So people seem to gravitate towards the one negative message than they do about the hundreds or thousands that are supporting this. It's, it, it amazes yeah, but we're, we're sort of conditioned to do that, right, Scott? I mean, you look at the media. You And I've worked with lots of reporters, and trust me, the first thing a reporter is going to look at is not the good news angle, but the provocative angle. Let's call it provocative as, yeah. a, as opposed to bad news. So we are conditioned to seeing that and reading it in all the sources that we get our information from. So it only stands to reason, really, why we think like that. Um, and, and then, you know, when you start to try and put the reasoning back in, people are not so quick to believe it. I don't know why. I mean, maybe people just distrust science or they distrust the medical profession. But I'll tell you, I saw a, um, I saw a news item uh, for, uh, last night, and it was about a child who was suspended from school because her vaccination record wasn't up to date. And the parents were all up in arms about it. How is this ridiculous? Well, it turns out once you get and and at first, at first blush, you're thinking, "What are they crazy? How, why did the school do this?" And then you dig in further and you find out that the parents moved provinces, and that there's no national registry. There's only provincial registries, hmm. and the parents didn't bother to bring in the uh, documentation to show that their daughter had been vaccinated, but in another province. Right. So you know what I mean. You know, you sort of take things for granted. You blame the system. Hmm. For the, for the wrong or for the ill. And when it turns right out, we have unto ourselves a social responsibility for the overall health of our community. So what will it take to change this opinion? Will it take a plague? Will it take outbreak, massive outbreaks like there used to be, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago? I mean, is that what it's going to take? No, I think what, the, I think what public health all over the country is, is doing now is becoming very hard line on who could go to your school and who cannot go to school. So if your kids haven't been vaccinated, they, they cannot be enrolled. And I think that it's more the exception than the rule that that's going to happen. I think what's going to need to happen is hard line measures, not pussyfooting around. You know, when I worked on government campaigns or campaigns associated with the government or agencies that are funded by the government, the last thing they want to do is tell Canadians what to do or to blame Canadians for something that is wrong. I think that that has absolutely got to go out the window. The science is there. The messages are very clear. And I think that we have to be very, very prescriptive on telling parents to get their kids vaccinated. 
All right, let's talk about politics. Last week, uh, uh, Justin Trudeau was accusing the opposition of continuing to keep the Jody Wilson-Raybould SNC-Lavalin affair alive uh, strictly for political purposes. They had got rid of the two uh, people involved, nothing to see here, everything's moved on. And then, of course, over the weekend, uh, we hear that that Justin Trudeau has threatened uh, a lawsuit against uh, conservative leader Andrew Scheer. Uh, theoretically bringing it all back up again for this week, as well as uh, a a few liberals that are floating balloons in Quebec that SNC-Lavalin may in fact get the deal from the new attorney general that the old one would not grant. Is this just not keeping the story alive? Why, now that these two women are gone, why don't they just let this peter out? I, I need to wonder who is advising the prime minister and why is he listening to them? Honestly, sometimes you think that the people who surrounding a political leader need to be as smart or smarter than the leader him or herself because they have subject matter expertise. In this case, I am left scratching my head from day one. You know, when we think that this could have all gone away by Trudeau standing up and saying, you know what, this situation was very close to my heart, this was an issue that maybe I pushed too hard on and I shouldn't have. Okay, that could have happened back in February. And you know what would have happened? It would have all gone away. Instead, there was no apology, because apology in politics equals guilt. So with no apology, they had to keep doubling down, doubling down, you know, discrediting the women, starting to say that they were difficult to work with. And it only caused them, caused the liberals a huge amount of grief, not to mention that Trudeau's own um, persona has taken a huge hit among Canadians. So is this over now that these two women are gone? I mean, it seems that the story's petered out. There isn't any more information that they have that we don't already know or, or could already assume. Uh, other than the SNC-Lavalin angle of this and the potential that they could still get a deal through this government, is concerning these two women, is this over? No. And I think that they are keeping up the pressure. For example, Jane Philpott had an interview this week and said, you know, that the that Prime Minister Trudeau, in essence, broke the law when he kicked them out of caucus, because there are some rules as to what needs to happen before you kick members out of caucus. And those rules were not followed. Why would she even go there, though? I mean, you know what? You know, I, 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 I ask this question often. The first thing I want to know is, what is the end game? Yeah. What, there, there seems to be no end game other than, right now, a continually, continually wanting to discredit the character and the integrity of the Prime Minister. That's the first one. The second one is, is that, you know, both of these women were recruited into the Liberal Party because, you know, they were told that we're going to do politics in a different way. Well, you, you tell me what leaders have ever been able to do that because uh, I've never seen it in my lifetime. Thirdly, they both, uh, Wilson Raybould and um, Jane Philpott, both sort of stand, not sort of, but they are firmly on the side of the law. They are very, their beliefs are very entrenched on the way things should go, not do an underhanded deal, but to follow it by the book. So when Jane Philpott comes out with yet another you know, missile or a salvo that is to discredit the prime discredit the prime minister. It's her 
you know, uh, MO, really, to keep this issue in the news for as long as she possibly can. Does this, back, does, this, does this backfire on her, though, in a sense that, you know, you're thinking, well, you know, you did all this, you got kicked out, and then you're asking, uh, well, wait a second, I'm not sure procedure was followed to, to, to kick me out. It almost sounds as if you want back in, because even at the end of the day, if they brought them all back in to vote, the, the result would still be the same, I'm guessing. So, again, what does this accomplish? Does this reduce, does it reduce her credibility? No, I think, you know, I think that there's, there's two sort of sides of the story here. When Wilson Raybould re- released that tape, people who were on her side because of her integrity and her willingness to uphold the law and not to be swayed by um, private interests, that really spoke to Canadians. But then she released a tape. And then when they started doing um, streeters or, you know, interviews with random people on the street, men and women were both, you know what, I'm not so crazy that she kept this secret tape and that she felt she had to record it and released it. My opinion of her has changed. However, Jane Philpott has had no, so we know to date, secret recordings. And I think that Jane Philpott believes that no matter what happens, she'll always find a place in at some institution or leading some sort of um, perhaps a, a public health agency, who knows, I just don't think that, I think that even if she left politics, she'd always land on her feet. So I don't know about her, the lack of credibility against her. Uh, getting back to the lawsuit, many have tried this. It usually always ends up falling by the wayside somewhere. How does Trudeau get out of this? How does, how does Sheer handle this moving forward? You know, Andrew Scheer, for everything that's been handed to him on a silver platter, yeah. you know, I'd, ha- I'd have to say that his performance in all of this has been really tepid and dispassionate. Any, anybody else would have maybe amped this up. It might have been a bit of bluster. But you really would have gotten a sense about how he or she felt about it. He, was, example, he was yelling at him to resign there at the beginning of all this. Yeah, but you know what? It's it's never sustainable. I mean, I think that Lisa Raid is a much better order yeah. and uh, can really sort of go to the core of it, get to the core of an issue in a very um, strong and vociferous way. Whereas Andrew Shearer just doesn't do that for anybody, to be quite honest. Mm. And the fact that he's kind of, you know, maybe amped it up a little bit with this lawsuit. And, and, and again, Scott, I agree with you. I don't know why... They launched this lawsuit unless it's some sort of um, diversionary measure that something else is going on that they want the media not to be paying attention to. When weird things like this happen out of the blue, I'm always wondering what else is going on that we're supposed to be looking at. And the Prime Minister's response to all this has always been the same. It's up to us to keep them honest. It's up to us to make sure that they're not spreading false uh, falsehoods and such. How can he stand up and say that after all of this crap that's gone under the bridge in regard to the Jody Wilson-Raybould scandal? Nobody can understand it. Nobody can understand why he's done it. Nobody can figure out who convinced him to do it. Was it his lawyer, Julian Porter? Was it people in the PMO? Uh, And that's why, you know, when there's no sort of rhyme nor reason, Scott, I always wonder, what else is going on? Why is this happening? It's so out of left field. It's so unnecessary at this point. What is going on that we're not looking at and that we should be looking at? 
So it appears that this story, at least from more information, unless Trudeau decides to sue someone else or, or Jane Philpott or Jody Wilson-Raybould speaks again, or they decide to uh, give SNC-Lavalin the deal that, that Wilson-Raybould would not. Other than that, it, it seems like there's nothing left here. Where, where, where do either or all three parties go moving forward on this? Well, I think that Prime Minister Trudeau is hoping that it eventually all peters out. The uh, the House will still be uh, out of session for the summer, so I don't know how many weeks are left, like maybe six weeks left. And then the writ will be dropped, I guess, in late August. And I forget how many weeks it has to be prior to an election date. The writ will be dropped, and then we'll be in, in election mode. So he'll just hope that enough time has passed. And it's interesting, you know, we, have, we live in a 24-7 news cycle. Will people remember this? Will this, um, you know, sway people not to vote for Trudeau? I, I think what they're, happening, what they're hoping is that, no, people will have forgotten about it or won't care about it as much, and that the Liberals will go on to win another term. Um, will um, uh, Trudeau trying and his team trying very hard to keep climate change front and center? Is this a top kitchen table issue for Canadians? You know, that's kind of interesting. I, I think that when we talk about kitchen table issues, I think the big one is health care. So while people do care about climate change, I, don't th- I think that it's a, a many-layered onion to peel back in order to get to a core message. The one thing when you're running a campaign and you're thinking about your core messages, they need to be really simple and they need to be able to stick into the subconscious. You know, I remember when uh, the Liberals put up Michael Ignatius, but he came from the States. Yeah. And the Conservatives jumped on a very, very simple nugget that had nothing to do with policy, nothing to do with their platform. It was basically, he's not even from here. Yeah. He's a visitor. And that really, really sang and really spoke to Canadians. And as a result, he suffered a tremendous defeat. So I will say that the Conservatives, and the Liberals too, but I would say more so the Conservatives, have a very distinctive way of running their advertising and getting to a core, simple message that is repeated over and over again until it sticks into your subconscious and hopefully stays with you until you get to the ballot box. Uh, the fact that the Prime Minister, I mean, I go back to the McLean's article where they just had his picture and then the, the phrase, the imposter. The fact that the Prime Minister is not who a lot of people thought he was, is that one of those moments? Is that enough to, to do what happened to Ignatiev? Only if the Conservatives pick up on that narrative and they take that thread and they put it throughout all their campaign advertising. Because, again, that's a gift. Um, you know, being called an imposter is not who he says he was. And, and you must admit, they did say that four years ago. Yeah, not ready. They came out and they said, just not ready yet. Yep, yep. And they, they didn't want to be, you know, kick the box too open too much on this one. You know, just not ready yet is sort of somewhere between... You know, you got to be kidding. You're going to vote for this guy, or you know, he, you know, he has great hair. So that seemed to be sort of the middle ground, and it didn't really work. But people really wanted change, so they really have to think carefully. What is their narrative? What is their narrative? So if it's just not ready yet, he definitely isn't who he said he was. 
Alyssa Freeman has been with us, public relations consultant, principal at Alyssa Freeman PR. As always, Alyssa, thanks so much for the time. Much appreciated. Pleasure, Scott. Thank you. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.